podcast i of course am your host aaron pym and what i like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio and have in-depth conversations surrounding sex and sexuality today i have a super exciting guest i have not met this guest this is a remote interview and let me oh they've given like oh this person is amazing folks they've given me a huge bio so prepared really a list of things to talk about i'm so excited to pick their brain i'm gonna pick out a little sentence that stuck out to me in the bio that they <laughs> that they sent because i love it okay so they are a proud smut peddler a passionate piss player, and an officiato of all things scary, repulsive, and sadistic. Please welcome to the pod, everybody, Cyanite. Hello, hello. It is so lovely to be here. I am very tired, but very happy to be talking to you. (laughs) Yeah, we were just discussing how we were up really late doing different types of sex work, and we're both a little groggy. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all right. All the vocal fry fetishists are living Oh, uh, they're going to just, just eat it up, people. Um, <laughs> do you want to let us know? Give us a little insight into your life. What were you up doing last night? So I was up filming some custom videos, which I do fairly reg- regularly these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, one of them was a bondage one, which really... You think it'll be quick. The actual, you know, content ends up being 15 minutes, but the time it takes to get tied, to make sure everything's settled, everything's lit well, it becomes a whole multi-hour endeavor. So I was up until 5 a.m. doing some of that. Um, Yeah, I know. When I'm not doing uh, late-night custom video adventures, (laughs) I... Right? I'm working for other producers as a fetish model. I'm a sex educator. I do other forms of sex work, like in-person sessions, things like that. Um, Let's see, did I miss anything? Oh, yes. When it's not a pandemic, I host the party called Cake Hole in New York City, which is a queer-centered, but not exclusively queer, play and sex party that used to happen in Midtown, but we lost our dungeon during the pandemic, so we're kind of in flux right now. Oh, no. I'm sure you'll find another space, get that going again. Yeah, it's so funny from all of those things. We actually um, do a lot of the same things uh, because I used to do uh, a stage show called Bedpost, um, which is a sex and sexuality variety show, you know, pre pandemic. I used to do that. Mm -hmm. And then also I I do the thing where I'm both a sex educator and uh, a sex worker as well. I love to hear uh, folks that do both because I feel like in uh, not that I'm an academic or anything, but I feel like in academics, that's like so taboo like people that have masters in you know sex sex and sexuality topics like it's so taboo to ever mention and that you were a sex worker at any time of any kind you know so I really Mm -hmm. admire and honor people that bring those two worlds together and it's so funny that that's just something that grows out of the stigma around doing sex work because in so many ways sex workers are so well equipped to be sex educators 
Oh, fully. And yeah. yet we're often sort of thrown out as like, oh, that's, that's dirty that you did that. If you do it for free, it's fun and dandy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. But I'm seeing like that you, yeah, you moderate as well. I've got here. Oh, you, oh, you interviewed on one of my favorite podcast podcasts, yes. one of my sister podcasts off the cuffs. That's actually how I found out about you. Oh, good. I love them. How did you enjoy Dick and Max and Gwen and Lex? At the time that I did it, Gwen wasn't around, um, but everyone else, uh, so I've never had the pleasure of meeting Gwen, but everyone else was really, really lovely. And I actually went out to meet them at where they were filming, or not filming, recording in, was that like Long Island, Staten Island? One of the islands. They're all the same to me as a New Yorker. Uh, and it was so cool. It was just really great to be in the studio with them chatting it up. And the way that they edited that down, this is my like very type A yeah. sort of content creator person coming out right now because I'm like, ooh, they edited the audio so well. Nice. Yeah. Got a little got a little turned on hearing that edit. That Exactly. <laughs> like the skills. Oh, talent crush sexy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, Dick does a real good job editing that audio. Like, yeah, I you will not have that same boner listening to this. <laughs> I can assure you. It's all right. I won't hold you to unrealistic standards. I've edited things before. I understand the labor of love and or stress that that is. <laughs> Dick has, like, told me about, like, some of his audio, like, editing pet peeves. And, like, I, I do all of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh man good thing i'm a bratty top i'm like listen to my podcast mm-hmm. dick <laughs> is it bothering you to hurt you <laughs> <laughs> yes audio quality bothering you in some way oh i would hate that you poor thing i'm so so sad about that <laughs> poor baby <laughs> um so in um since you said you were you know doing this long haul of like custom content creation one of the things you mentioned was bondage what are some of the other things you generally get up to in your customs so i tend to get a lot of giantess custom requests <gasps> Ooh, are you tall i am not the thing is i'm five four I love, uh, oh i'm five four well i, I exaggerate <laughs> to five four i'm actually more closer to five three probably but I love you to know, hear that. Sometimes you need a little exaggeration. I get the giantess <laughs> customs because I've worked with a producer called Gary Pranzo. And Gary has like a whole tiny city set in his garage. And so he brings models in and we can destroy these like buildings oh. that are actually like five feet tall or, you know, four feet tall maybe. And you can like sit on them and like crush them with your hands and there's green screen stuff. So it's a much higher production thing than I do with my customs. But so people have seen me there and they're like, oh my God, Sina is this incredible persona. Someone said uh, I'm one of the most charismatic giantesses they've ever seen. Oh, that's a compliment. I would say so. I love this thing of like, you doing giantess porn but not necessarily being super tall like that's that's isn't that a, the lovely world of editing you can yeah, be editing and camera angles you, yeah and the, that down angle <laughs> one thing i get a lot um because i should because i um my sex work persona is dominant so i i use the down angles a lot 
Um, mm-hmm. And one thing I get when people meet me is that I'm shorter than they thought. <laughs> <laughs> I similarly get this. Do you? <laughs> so much. And it's like, I often often wear heels because I got this height complex from my parents where they told oh, me no. again and again and again when I was growing up, you're going to be 5'8". You're definitely going to be 5'8". Yep, 5'8". That's it. And so when I stopped oh. growing at 5'4", I was like, excuse me? What happened? Yeah. It's like puberty just hit a little too early and those extra like growth inches did not happen. And so I pretty much always wear some amount of heel, but yep. sometimes on the rare occasions when people see me without heels on, they're always like, cyanite, why do you look different? What's wrong? There's something off. <laughs> yes, very much that. You're a normal height and you're not presenting as giantess. What's... And not presenting right? as giantess. Are you all right oh today? Gosh. You're not wearing your no. heels. <laughs> I've lost my power. It's like, what is it, Samson with his hair cut off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, are you able to talk just for a second since we're, we've come across this topic just on like what that fetish, what that kink is and what that kind of means to people that enjoy it? Sure. I mean, I can try because I'm not a giantess fetishist myself, okay. which I think is one of the most interesting things about doing custom videos, working yeah. for producers, when they don't share your kinks and you have to embody this incredible fetish that someone is so into and yes. you have no clue what they're into about it. It's a oh, fascinating yeah. little thing to do. Yeah. So tell me that process then, like how, how do you figure it out to manage to, um, you know, to shoot this type of stuff then? Sure. So some things are helpful in terms of the scripts that you get from clients. Yeah. So sometimes they'll say, I want you to say fee fi fo fum. Nice. Or I don't want you to say that. Some people think that's a little too campy. Too on the nose. Um, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> some people want certain phrases. Some people want certain angles and they'll specify. Yep. They want the camera to go into your mouth. There's a lot of vor fetishists in the giantess community. They have yes. like, lots of wide open mouth clips where the camera's flying into your mouth as if you're eating the camera. Yeah. Um, and so for me, my spin on it is usually that I am a sadist or a sadistic giantess and that I'm enjoying the suffering of the people I'm eating, stomping on, and I'm sort of thriving on and absorbing their their fear and their desperation and all of that stuff. So when I go through these cities, I'm like, ooh, I can smell that those of you in this apartment building are really terrified. Let me rip it up from the ground and shake you all out into my mouth. Oh and my God. go off like that. And it's, you find that the people who, who come specifically to me then for customs after they see me work with Gary, for example, yeah. they're like, oh, I really want a maniacal giantess. That was a specific phrase I got for one of my custom requests, as opposed to like the more happy dippy dappy, like just sort of, ah, I'm just skipping around and I happened to step on four people as I did Oops. it, but I didn't know I was just happy. Is just living my giantess life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, I love this because, like, um, I also find this with like custom work that I get requested where I'm not super familiar with a very specific 
um, canker fetish that they're into, but you can kind of understand it via other adjacent kinks because they all, you know, sometimes a lot of them overlap. Like you mentioned, like sadism was a big part. Vore overlaps a lot. Obviously, stuff like trampling and smothering mm-hmm. and like that could be that could equal breath play. That could equal fear play. You know, um, mm-hmm. there's obviously the power dynamic with someone being bigger and someone being smaller. The feeling of helplessness, like there are all different ways you can kind of get really specific with it, even if you're not 100% just into giantess. Yes, and that's sort of what I love about doing those clips and doing customs in general where it's not very scripted. So some people give you a point by point, I want you to hit this line, that line, and this line. But a lot of people just say, riff on these topics, maybe hit these three points, but do whatever, it's an approximation. What do you Um, prefer? I prefer the approximation ones. Yeah, same, same, same. It's just less brain energy in terms of memorization, but it's also easier to end up in places that you wouldn't have ended up in if you had just followed a script. Yeah, the element of surprise, even surprising yourself by like, yes. ooh, that's kind of fun that I found that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you're forced to just riff for, let's say, 20 minutes, you really end up having to go places that you wouldn't have just gone if you just sat down and, okay, I have to do this for, let's say, three minutes. I'll go to the usual, like, oh, I stepped on you. Oh, I ate you. Oh, your fear amuses me. But, like, if you have to do it for 20 minutes, you're really going to hit some obscure points. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Some hidden gems, let's call them. Yeah, exactly. I love that, like, this kind of creative process. Because I always think the same thing when I get something really scripted and specific versus someone who's just like do whatever I like this and this and can you say this one thing at some point can you use my name for instance at some point um Mm -hmm. and could it end like this you know like and for me I'm like I see so much more value in just letting the person do what they do best you know um yes and not trying to like control it quite so much I know people like their specific specific stuff but like to me it those ones feel more like just like less authentic like less Mm -hmm. then I can't really get in my body I can't really play and get that quality that I'm known for which is like being Mm -hmm. creative being fun being kind of um you know fun is is kind of the thing I think or at least I'd like to be known for maybe (laughs) and and I don't think you're gonna get that as much because it's like I'm going through a list in my head versus I'm thinking of the intentions and thoughts and feelings and sensations you know what would you prefer right I'm going with the flow in the moment yeah and finding as you said kind of stumbling on cool maybe literally if you're doing you're stepping on cities I do actually get hurt sometimes. Okay, tell me about this, because you're I'm assuming you're wearing heels and stuff too, or maybe you're not. So a lot of them are very into barefoot or sandals, like they still want to see your feet. So okay. I actually haven't worn heels at all for a giant test clip, interestingly. Um, but no, so the buildings that you sit on when you work with Gary, they are made out of plastic. I think they're just kids like building sets. I don't think they're specifically for giant test <laughs> fetish porn. Um but they're they're like thin sheets of very flexible plastic for the windows and most of the the siding is just like a plastic a heavier plastic frame with these window pieces stuck onto it and so when you crush them either with your butt or with your hands they can actually cut you so i have several pictures on my twitter of my like butt being cut by these windows oh my god 
the things we we go to, the lengths we go to, you know? Truly. That is the the unsung song of content creators. Uh, If people knew what happened behind the scenes for certain clips, they would be shocked. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I would roll an ankle doing that for sure. Um, (laughs) And yeah, like, okay, let's, I like this conversation um, because, you know, I I don't think people realize, and I don't think a lot of folks that even order the customs really realize, like, why you might be charging more for something versus something Mm -hmm. else. Um, And it's because it could be a variety of things, right? Like, it could be setup, cleanup, how much time this takes, if it's going to require, like, additional fancy editing. um, Yes. Like, special effects type editing. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you've got to go to the store and buy shit, which they need to pay for. If, you know, you need a dedicated space, a special space that you need to rent, like so many things, right? Emotional labor um, could be part of it as well. Like, um, you know, if I charge a lot more, then suddenly I'm a lot happier doing this crazy thing than I would have Mm -hmm. been at this other rate. Like, that's valid, too. Can you talk about maybe um, some of the custom requests that do require these extra, these extras, essentially? Sure. Uh, So one of my favorite kinks is actually one I still charge extra for, and I think people are surprised by that because it's my favorite, uh, but it's piss play. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, Thank you for bringing this up. It was in your Mm -hmm. intro. So yes, we got to talk about piss play. (laughs) Let's do it. Yes. Uh, So I love, 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 love piss play. It is my closest thing I have to a medically defined fetish, which for those of you who don't know, the medical definition of a fetish is something that you absolutely need to get off. Yeah, you require it for arousal. Mm -hmm. While I don't need it to get off, I, anything about piss really just like, my brain just goes, (laughs) (laughs) just so good. Like I remember I was in a bathroom once and I heard someone in the stall next to me having like an incredibly strong stream of piss and I was just like, oh my God. (laughs) Hot, yeah. Uh, But so for piss, because there's the preparation element of it, so even though I love it and I'm so happy to do it, Mm -hmm. to get to be able to pee on camera, because there is some amount of like, not nerves, I would say, because I'm not nervous, but you just really need to be able to pee on command at a moment. So you like need to be very well hydrated and you need to have prepared for that moment by drinking a ton up till that point. And so that preparation, which often starts hours in advance because it's actually not good to really flush your body with liquids that often. So if you can drink it more casually over a longer period of time, it's better for your system. Um, Because of that, there's an extra cost that, uh, yes, I love it, but also I know that I will be potentially waking up earlier, let's say, to start hydrating before I can film this clip. Yes, it could be altering your whole schedule earlier in the Also day. the cleanup, yes, depending on if you're like, if you're not peeing in a toilet or a bathtub or something, mm-hmm. the cleanup adds to that whole uh, upcharge situation as well, because if I peed on my own floor, I then have to clean that up. Yep, I need to figure out how to do that in the least messy way. Maybe I have a system of things that needs to happen so that mm-hmm. there is easy cleanup. Maybe that's shit I need to buy. Um, yeah, all of these things. Yeah, so I like this thing you brought up. Um, I want to go more into like the nuances of piss play, but I like this thing you brought up of like, I like doing it, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to 
charge and I'm not going to charge extra for this thing. Like this, Mm -hmm. this thing, I, I think there's a thing that people kind of think it should be free if we're enjoying it or, or a discount or like, you know what I mean? I think there's yes. a thing out there uh, um, about specifically sex workers that it's like, oh, well, you'll enjoy it. I'll be great. I'll fuck you so well or whatever it is. It's like, so we can just do that, right? It's like, well, do you want any any sort of service representative not enjoying their job? Like, is there a job where you prefer them not to be enjoying their job? Like, <laughs> like you think that's going to get the they're going to create the best work people that don't enjoy what they're doing. Like <laughs> that's the, that's the opposite of what you want in someone you're hiring. Like, mm-hmm. of course you want people to enjoy their job. That's why they're good at their job. That's why they charge more. Cause they're extra good at their job. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think for sex work specifically, there's a way that we, or some of us, let me not speak for everyone, but like, when I charge what I would like to be charging for these things, that is the rate that keeps me emotionally happy. Yep. So that is the rate that when I get it, I'm like, yeah, I really want to do this thing. Yep. This is going to be great. This is going to make sure all my bills are paid. This is going to make sure that everything I need to be taken care of is taken care of. And so I don't go into it going, damn, I only got $50 for this. Okay, I'm going to throw on some bullshit makeup and then just get in front of the lights and just bang this out. Like, you don't want me coming into your clip with that energy because it's going to come through. And you, especially if they come back another time, you know, because it was so cheap, they'll probably come back extra fast and you'll be like, uh, this guy again? Yeah. Because you know you didn't charge enough, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's the worst feeling. Oh, yeah. Like, because you want to look forward to people rebooking, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's whatever type of sex work it is, like coming back, you want regulars. And um, yeah, ideally, you're building regulars that you like, because you're going to see them a lot, (laughs) you know, and that's how they get to be regulars is by taking care of all that stuff. Like you said, making sure you're you're happy and you look forward to the next session to me that's people's jobs as customers any in Mm -hmm. any field doing anything it's like what you want to do when you are a client when you are a customer is make sure that they do everything you can to make sure that they are happy when they see you next and they want to they're excited to do the thing whatever it may be exactly this is why so many sex workers also say if you tip us will probably be more pleasant to you. Like that is your investment in keeping us happier and excited to do your videos, to chat with you, to sex with you, whatever, you know, interaction we're having. That's part of it. A hundred percent. Yeah. That like, I don't know if people like, maybe I'm sure people in other fields and stuff have felt this feeling like you don't, but, but a lot of folks don't realize, maybe a lot of clients of sex workers don't realize how good that feels when you know you've been adequately compensated um, mm-hmm. for a job well done, how good that feels to be charging, like to raise your rates, you know, to be charging that rate that feels good and to get a tip on top of that, that is a, a feeling that's unmatched. Like that makes yes. us feel so good. And don't you want that for us? Don't you want to do that for us? The way I I like to think about it in some ways is like, okay, if you just compensate me whatever my base rate for the interaction we're having is, 
if I like what I'm doing, like if I like, if say it's a, if it's a piss play video, yeah. I'm happy to be doing that in general. So I'm already very happy to be doing it and then getting paid the rate that I put down. But then if you tip on top of that, <laughs> you've made my day. I am now the happiest. And so now I will think of you and talk to you, talk to you, talk about you to my friends. But oh yep. my gosh, this person, they threw down a $300 tip on this and I got to do my favorite thing. Is it my birthday? Yes. What is going on? I might even jerk off to this later. Yes. Best day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee if you like give a generous tip, you know, you, you go after that like raised rate, you, you don't. Um, like you pay it without question and then you tip, I guarantee that person is going to tell their people about you. And isn't that nice to be the subject of some gossip, you know, in the group for the good reason rather (laughs) than the other reason? Some positive gossip. Pause goss. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, pause goss. (laughs) That's another podcast I'm starting apparently. Um, like be that guy, you know, be that human. Be that guy. Yes. That we talk about with our friends being like, this new person is amazing. A 10 out of 10 would recommend. Truly. (laughs) Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at comeasyouare.com. Club M4 is celebrating their 14th year anniversary. And this is their first anniversary at their new location at 1989 Dundas Street East. Well, if you haven't been to their new location, there is a DJ dance floor, there are several bars, there is a dungeon, which as everybody knows, that's up my alley, and there are loads of beds. I'm talking big, orgy-sized beds. So if you haven't been out to Club M4 yet, don't you think their 14th anniversary is the time to go so if this ad got those curiosity juices flowing you can check them out at clubm4.toronto on instagram or head on out to 1989 dundas street east and see what a swingers club made by swingers for swingers is all about so okay let's talk about piss play a bit um Mm -hmm. I love talking really like kind of dissecting and like, well, that's a kink of mine just in general. Um, dissecting uh, yeah. kink. But also <laughs> I, I like to let really break down like why people are into their fetishes and in, into their kinks, you know, because there yes. are lots of ways people can go about every kink and right. things that they get out of it and nuances. Like we said in these custom requests, it's like someone orders a video from you, you know, about one kink. It could look a, hundred different ways depending Mm -hmm. on 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 what it is so let's talk about maybe the way you approach piss kink and what you think is really interesting or exciting or hot about it sure so i i mean i love basically all things regarding pee but my more specific avenue 
tends to be more just about the joy of, of engaging with that liquid with other people. I guess there's two. I have, they're kind of opposite now that I think about it. There's that one where it's just happy, fun, wet times. Uh, I don't really go into it in my personal life too hard from the humiliation stance like that. Piss doesn't feel humiliating to me. Cool. Piss doesn't feel degrading to me. It doesn't feel dirty. I mean, I guess morning piss runs that line. But <laughs> <laughs> depends what time of day, but yes, in general, uh, but yeah. generally it's just like, oh my gosh, it's warm and wet and you're sharing your body fluids with me and that's really hot or, or vice versa. I am a switch for piss play. Yeah. Um, but the other sort of avenue I go down is as a dominant, I like doing piss play with people who don't like piss because I really like things that repulse people. Yeah. So I still love it. I'm still very happy about it. And they're just like, huh? oh, no, I can't deal with this. It smells too strong. Oh, gosh. It's, you're putting it. So I really want to make piss ice cubes and just put them in a person's drink throughout the day so that every single thing they drink is slightly piss flavored. So you're a real, you're a real sadist. I love it. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I really identify with that. I like the spectrum when I'm topping piss scenes. I like... Like, people who are just, like, mm, warm, nice, aw, and, like, kind of romance feelings. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, I love the people are like, did you have asparagus again? I'm like, sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Cruel. <laughs> I know. I, like, at one point took a, took a piss workshop at one point in my in my career to become a pro, and, like, they were telling all the ways to, like, you know, make your piss not super strongly flavored and what and whatnot. Mm. And and the whole time, like in my head, I was like, but but <laughs> 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 I want them to hate. It's like, but what if I could make it worse? Yeah, so I just did all the opposite of all the things they talked about. <laughs> good. Very good. Yeah. Someone after my own heart. <laughs> cold piss, I think, is one of the worst. Like, I have tasted my own cold piss, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is horrible. Why? Why? Are we we talking about, like, cold in the fridge cold or just not warm? Oh, fridge cold. Yeah. It gets much saltier. It's very foul. Oh, no. I've never never, uh, experienced that. Ice cubes is fun, too. Yes. Ice cubes are fun, but then it's like that has its own thing of if you don't let it sit and let the temperature sort of equalize within the the cup it's in then you have like hot parts and cold parts Mm. which is probably its own kind of unpleasant experience but when you just put the whole thing in the fridge (laughs) so what was the sorry i did cut you off i think you were gonna say i just wanted to try it or something what was the what was that day of you you drinking your own cold piss what did that look like i mean this is the thing because i'm so into it it's part of my day often it's a very casual thing so one day i just woke up and i just felt like i've never tried this i might try it for a scene with my sub the next week and so i got a cup i peed in it and i threw it in the fridge and then went back to it later and went Ooh, that's awful. I'll save that for another time. <laughs> yeah, so it was like a, a successful uh, experiment. You were like, yes. great, how can I make my piss worse? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Throw in the refrigerator for an hour. Yeah. So, okay, I love these like two different ways. Like, like you said, two totally different opposite ways of enjoying this type of play. 
is that informed by like the way you top or the way you dom versus the way you bottom or the way you sub? So I am a very, 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 very dominant leading switch. Mm -hmm. And I basically only sub for sexual objectification and I guess bondage, but that's really more of a bottoming thing than a subbing thing. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I get pissed on as a bottom, that's just like happy fun times. I don't want it to be unpleasant at all for any reason. I am a baby. Do not do that to me. (laughs) Um, But when I'm a a dom or a top, I am incredibly sadistic. I am very, very, very into repulsion reactions. I like people doing things that they don't exactly want to do. And I call it the gray area of consent, wherein I like reluctant consent. So they're still consenting, but they're not enthusiastic. Yes, it's not their favorite thing. Exactly. (laughs) Wanting versus willing. There it is. That's the the great line right there. So I like when people are saying, oh, I kind of find pee a bit repulsive or a bit disgusting or I'm just I feel really dirty doing this but I'll do it for you yeah that combination of words for you mm, that's the that's the ticket yeah I was um doing like a consult I had a couple come in and they were doing a little bit of a consult first and then we did a scene that was kind of like an instructional scene and that was something that Um, I got them on the track of talking about because the one person was like, well, I want them to want to do it. And the other person was like, well, I, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the activity, but what's hot about it for me is that I, despite it being difficult for me or whatever, you know, despite it being even like lukewarm territory, Uh Mm -hmm. um, that the thing about them was that kind of romantic almost thing of like, I trust you to do anything to me, even stuff I don't like. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's hot that I would only do it for you. It was like this exclusivity thing, but like this very wholesome actual intention of like, you're so special uh, and beautiful and whatever, like that, I just want to do, I'll do anything for you and with you, anything, even stuff mm-hmm. I don't like. And that, that kind of nuance of, you know, con, non-con, but like also yep. um, service, um, mm-hmm. you know, brought into it. And then the other person was like, oh, well, that's hot. Like I didn't, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm, I was really happy we kind of talked about that because then the other person kind of understood that this reluctant consent thing that you mentioned was actually kind of hot Hmm. that's actually most of my what you just described there of like I would do it for you because I'm so devoted to you because I want to serve you that's the way most of my DS dynamics function in my personal life nice yeah there's something really salient about that right like what does that feel like to you um as like if if that's the way you're topping and doming like what does that do for you you feel so powerful like there's this way that you can just you know how deeply this person hates the thing they're doing right now and you just feel the devotion the way they're giving themselves over to you 
in doing this act. And the, my current submissive, the way she and I sort of phrase and talk about our dynamic is through more like religious lens because I'm really into mm. blasphemy. Ooh, um, cool. And so she talks about putting her suffering, putting her pain at sort of my feet as like an altar of like, this is my way of worshiping my deity is by giving over these things that are, these experiences that are so painful, so disgusting, so uncomfortable for me. Oh, what a cool lens. Very fun. Yeah, that's like a really, because that that's it, isn't it? In religious, like, well, at least the one I was brought up into, it's like the suffering is the thing. Mm -hmm. The, you know, just laying yourself out, prostrate, you know. Yes. Um, yeah, there's like salvation and suffering, essentially. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like in martyrdom, right? Like you, mm -hmm. you, this makes you a good person. Yes, this is the way to glory. You enduring. Ooh, that's a thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus, indeed. Jesus. There are the ways that I have plumbed the Catholic faith for like fetish material. Yeah. It's uh, <clears throat> unholy. Not plumbed it. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I love a piss fetishist saying plumbed it. That's fabulous. I really want to do a piss baptism scene. I've wanted to do it for a while, but I haven't really gotten the time and like stored up enough pee. Because you basically have to fill a bucket with pee to be able to do it. Oh, man. You know it's going to be cold. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be awful. <laughs> how would you envision that scene i want to hear your like what's your fantasy surrounding a piss baptism oh my god so i guess so this is i don't know what this says about me and the company i keep <laughs> but i've had interactions experiences with a piss bucket before okay i go to dark odyssey yeah I know. I go to Dark Odyssey Summer Camp Infusion pretty much every year, and they are big, kinky conventions that are at a campground in Maryland. Okay. And the group of friends that I sort of hang out with at this camp uh, created a piss bucket. It's like a big Home Depot multi-gallon bucket that anyone who was hanging out in this area could just use. It was labeled. You could just, like, piss in it whenever. And these, this camping event goes on for about six days. Okay. And the first year they did the piss bucket, people just let the piss bucket sit the entire six days. So by the day five or maybe even four, the ammonia smell wafting off of this thing was right. horrifying. And like flies were drowning in it. So it like had bugs on it. It was so foul. It was so foul. And I watched someone get it like poured on them at the end of camp. And it was one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Yes, but, so I know now not to leave piss over several, it was all sitting in the sun outside, oh, so there were no, a lot of bad yeah. factors there. Outside, but now, too. <laughs> yeah, disgusting, wouldn't Terrible. do that for the baptism, but I would probably just do it over one day, like probably put a bucket in my bathtub, and then any time, and really hydrate that day, and really go in, maybe wake up early to get as much piss in as possible, yeah. and then at the end of the day, have this whole ceremonial thing, probably dress the bottom in a nice, like, white, almost sheer uh, oh. outfit. Like, I don't, I didn't watch Bridgerton, but I saw the gifts of that, like, actor coming out of the water in the most <laughs> sheer cloth, and it was just, like, plastered to him. 
that's what I want. But instead I'm going to dump piss on the person and they're just going to be sputtering there. And like, it's going to be all be see-through and clinging to them. And then I'll say some ridiculous line about how they've been cleansed and they're reborn anew and whatever in my piss. And <laughs> What's the setting for this? Are we trying to book like, I, I, um, I don't know. <laughs> I want to see some sort of a church or something, but are there elements that you can like somehow bring in? I know a lot of dungeons, dungeons have some religious elements. You could like, I, I mean, know the, the environment. The problem is like in, in the ideal world where I didn't have to clean up, yeah. I would love to do it in a church. And indeed my ideal home would be a, uh, renovated church, which I don't know if you know who Damon M. X is, but I don't know. She is like a, I think she's a pro-dom to some amount. And then she also just is a sort of internet BDSM personality. And she bought a church and is renovating it to like wow. play and live in it. And it's, oh, it's going to be so sexy. But that's what I basically want to do. So if I didn't have to worry about, you know, what to do with this piss that would then get all over the floor and whatever, I would do it in that sort of setting. But <laughs> since it would probably be problematic, I think I would settle for a beautiful, like, black tiled, like, very large walk-in shower. And then I would put candles all around the edges of the shower so it has that, like, oh, yeah. sort of temple-esque vibe. And it's only maybe candlelight or maybe, like, a light, like a light on a dimmer in the ceiling so it's not just blasting fluorescent light down upon this whole scene. And Music. then maybe throw on some Gregorian chant and then dump. <laughs> what are you wearing? I need to know. That is a great question. Honestly, you know, I feel like I've been really into latex lately. I feel like I want to be wearing like a latex, like nun habit, but like a sexy mm. one. Oh man, this sounds epic. I wish this for you so hard. <laughs> so hard. Oh my God. I love that. I think this is like, yeah, this might be the first time that in my brain, I'm like crossing these two kinks together, like religion and piss play. Cause I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really into piss play. I top it. I, it's more like service topping, honestly. Like I top it professionally, sure. blah, blah, blah. It's not one of my core kinks at all. So I don't mm -hmm. spend too much time thinking about it, but religious <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, maybe I'm way more into piss play now. <laughs> <laughs> I have that effect on people. Yeah. Congratulations. You have yet another convert into the religion of piss play. Beautiful. Um, I love I love to hear like all this nuanced stuff because um, folks who are like kind of just getting into kink think, you know, about whatever kink they're interested in getting into. They think that it has to be a certain way. They have to do it a certain way. And they don't kind of get that they can take all the things that work for them about this kink and just not do the rest, like just throw out the rest. Like mm -hmm. um, you were talking about like so many of the parts um, of piss play that you would probably not be super interested in doing and that you do find kind of gross and not a fun gross way. And like that you've really custom catered, you know, how you do this on both sides of the slash to your liking. So I, mm -hmm. I, I really like talking about that because yeah, I feel like people are like, Ooh, I'm interested in that. Oh, but no, no, no. If it means that, then no, no, no. And it's like, well, yeah, the, then just don't do that part. You it can know? mean what you want it to mean. Yeah. There's no script. That's kind of the fun thing about kink. Yes. There's no like heteronorm. I guess maybe there is a heteronormative script a little bit of like what we see in <laughs> yes. movies and shit, you know, but if you've 
come on your journey far enough to know that what's represented in media isn't, you know, necessarily what what actual actual kinksters are doing, then you can make the leap to the next part, which is like custom design it everything. It's like everything is exactly how you want it to be because you're the one building this fantasy land. Like, why would who cares if it's two people in their bedroom? Why are you doing stuff that the world <laughs> wants you to do? Like, like no one's there with you. No one's yes. watching. No one will know. You don't have to tell <laughs> anyone else. Like, who's gonna know? Yeah. Like, so why let what the world thinks, you know, into the bedroom? Um, I get it's way more complicated to that because people who are cultured in a certain way carry that with them, and it's deeply affecting to how they access kink and and uh, sex and sexuality and all that but like yes, you know what i mean just as a concept it's like logically no one's watching so do whatever have fun have fun exactly um oh this might okay this might segue slightly into um your sex ed stuff and mm-hmm. kind of like what sex ed is like for people, you know, in whichever community they're raised in, cultured in, kind of like, kind of like how I so expertly segued into this topic. (laughs) I'm a podcaster, people. A true professional. A true, (laughs) yeah. And I didn't let the seams show at all. Look at that. (laughs) I mean, honestly, you can be like, I'm the dom. If we're changing fucking streams, we're changing fucking streams. Yep, Take you know, it. I'm the one with the mic. Uh, <laughs> you're the one with the earbuds. Get into it. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yes, you know, I, I'm always endlessly interested how, what lens, you know, we see sex through, um, depending on, you know, what we were brought up with, where we mm-hmm. were brought up, all that stuff. So I really, 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 really love getting people's sex origin stories. Essentially, how did they get introduced to the concept of sex ed and the concept of sex? How was sex talked about in school or, you know, at home when they were growing up or amongst their peers? I think it's one of the coolest things to learn about people because it really informs, particularly because I meet so many people in sexual spaces. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting to learn where they started and where they ended up. Like, particularly when I meet people who grew up in cults, Ooh, yes. Oh, so did you interview with Max? Yeah, Max was there, but we didn't get into it too, too much because it was about interviewing me. (laughs) But yes, and I I know a couple other people who are raised in cults who are now in the kink scene. And that's that transition or that line is so fascinating to me. Wow, yeah. Because if you think about it, a lot of cults have like very interesting structures around, problematic, obviously, structures around power and who controls whom. And then if you think about that, you come to eroticize power. And I feel similarly about Catholicism, which is why it's so ripe for picking for scenes. You know, these things can be re-harnessed and re-engaged once you become an adult to really like process some weird things that happened when you were younger or to try and like make sense of things that you grew up fetishizing and not really understanding why. Definitely. Yeah. I like this conversation a lot. 
because yeah, I, I, I mean, there are some kinks that we just inherit out of literally nowhere, but Mm -hmm. on the other hand, a lot of our kinks like are really informed by stuff like this, you know? Um, Yes. A lot of times we get into kink because it's taboo. So that means that we think we have been cultured. We have been brought up to think that this thing is bad, gross, icky, shameful, whatever. Yes. And then and then the hot thing comes into play of being like, ooh, well, <laughs> that means I should. What if do I it. lean into that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm always I'm always interested to whether that's like a conscious choice for people or that sneaks up on them and they kind of when did they realize it? I want to ask you, uh, since you can, mm-hmm. you can speak about your stuff, you can speak about you. When did this start to happen with you surrounding like your religious play? I don't know if I've ever been asked this question about this kink. Um, the thing about it is I wasn't raised religious. My mm-hmm. mother was very much what I like to call a non-practicing Christian. Okay. She would often talk about, oh, you know, you should, we should go to church, but then didn't. Uh, and I really want you, when I said I was an atheist, she was very much like, no, 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 you can't, you can't be an atheist. You need to have some sort of morality. And I'm like, what the hell? I have morality. Um, I didn't say that. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And so, and she, we didn't really celebrate Easter either. Like we'd celebrated none of the Christian holidays except Christmas, but you know, that's less of a Christian holiday often at this point and is more of a commercial holiday. But I, I was never really raised in, in the church or any of those things. And I didn't, I don't have like a, a major turning point, except the one that I can think of is when I was in high school, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a very avid band camp attender. <laughs> I'm nice. a certified band geek. I'm a classically trained clarinetist. <laughs> I have done all of the band things you can probably think of. So... I went to band camp and it was a, it was a sleepaway camp at a college university, a college university, a college campus. Mm-hmm. And there was a meditation chapel on this college's campus that the counselors, which I eventually became one, would sneak off to and just like hang out in at night because it had cool mood lighting. And it was just kind of like, oh, it's a chapel. And I ended up hooking up. Exactly. I ended up <laughs> hooking up in it several times. And there was something about that was like, oh, I'm desecrating a chapel. And I had never had that thought before because I was never really in churches before and had never, you know, had this naughty thought or had any opportunity to do such a thing in a religious place. But as soon as I did this and it was like a meditation chapel, it wasn't really quite a quite as strong of like a a church. Exactly. But something about it just hit me in a way. And after that, it was over for me. You're like, I just want to do this again and again. Exactly. <laughs> every pl- every time I fuck, it must be in a church. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had, um, I dated someone in college who lived right across the street from a church. And so we would sometimes fuck and he'd like fuck me from behind and we'd like stare at the church <laughs> as we were doing it. <laughs> Next best thing. Church has to be yes. in my eye line. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> precisely oh my god yeah i have to say that like in my family we were also kind of non-practicing christians like i went to a catholic school so mm-hmm. i think um yeah despite only going to church like twice a year it was maybe easter and 
Christmas Eve and mass or something. Just going to Catholic school was like, you're just constantly kind of indoctrinated with all this. It's in the miasma of the school. It's everywhere. Like you had to take, you had to do a prayer in the morning, like with the announcements and you wore, you know, you wore uniforms that were indicative mm-hmm. of, of that faith. And then you, um, like, you took a religion class. There was a religion class that you had to take mandatory. And there were some, there were mandatory masses. Like, maybe not, maybe like once a week or something. They paraded everyone into the big, big old gym. And you had to do, do that. There was choir, but it's all religious choir you know or religious mm-hmm. songs and, and material and stuff um so it was like everywhere and i it's interesting i don't i don't know if my parents really realized how that might affect like like because i carry a lot of that with me specifically the shame thing right yeah yeah <laughs> catholic guilt sex. christian shame etc yep that and like oh boy that that affected the trajectory of my sex life like you wouldn't believe for my young adulthood you know Mm -hmm. and then now in my older adulthood um in a kink way (laughs) yep (laughs) in a sexy hot kink way but yeah it's like similar like that that is the religion that uh, that a lot of um I want to be like in the States, everywhere in the States, in Canada, everywhere in Canada, like all our laws, all our, every, all our media, it's like so entrenched in Catholicism um, that even if you aren't specifically in a super strict Catholic household going to church all the time and blah, 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 you're bombarded with all of this imagery and ideal ideology. So I feel like, that might be a reason why a lot of people have uh, have religious kings. I also think there's a piece in here about, at least for me, this sort of idea of irreverence or, or sort of mm. not believing that authority is sacred and that it, it can be questioned. I think that plays into it a lot for me because I also don't just... I don't just fetishize, like, Christian blasphemy or Catholic blasphemy. I've also, like, I had a, a submissive who is a former Muslim and I beat him with a Quran. Wow. And also forced him to eat some of the pages, I think. Awesome. Um, and I made him, like, read out of it. I, like, ripped a page out and had him read it in Arabic as I was beating him with the rest of it. And every time he, like, slowed down or got confused, because it's, like, very old-style Arabic, it's not modern Arabic, I would hit him more and be like, shouldn't you be able to read? Shouldn't you know the Lord's word so well? All of these things. But I think there's just a way of playing with that authority, of saying, like, this isn't unquestionable this isn't unassailable we can get into this and and attack it and really mold it to what we want it to be i think there's something i like in there about that yeah oh my god that makes me like just want to do like some sort of interrogation scene where i'm like you know you've got somebody who's like role-playing as like a super religious person and you just kind of take down all their beliefs one by one and at the end of the scene they're like broken and empty and Yes, that yeah, sounds incredible. Something like that, you know, just logic them, like... But have you ever really seen God? Yeah, you know, and force them to, like, be, like, come up against, like, how stupid is some of this? And, like, <laughs> yes. you know, and also, like, in a femdom sphere, it's, like, so you're in this dungeon where I'm clearly in control and I have power over you, and and yet all these beliefs say that I'm a little weak, 
you know, thing that's just here to spew out babies. (laughs) To serve you in many different ways. Yes, Yes, to be meek and to be, yeah, exactly, to serve is a wedding vow yeah mm-hmm. fucked up right yeah there's something there there's definitely something there yeah, there's something everywhere let's be honest truly <laughs> um i love that you mentioned that you're a classically trained clarinet did you say clarinet player clarinetist yes oh my god i need to know if you've ever incorporated or like just brought in any of any clarinet stuff into your kink or sexy play clarinet stuff specifically I've definitely done musical things before um I did a really cool scene where I had a a bass player that I knew in the scene and she was playing her bass and I was drumming on her ass and we were like jamming together (laughs) that's fabulous I have been someone with their own drumsticks uh, yep which was very enjoyable very good because it's like two little canes kind of like it really is they're great <laughs> I, I prefer them to a lot of like shorter canes like i just used the drumsticks that i got when i was a music education major in school oh my god that's amazing but clarinet specifically mm, i think i'm too protective over my clarinet to like bring it anywhere into a kink scene i'm like don't touch it it's actually sacred yeah <laughs> yes that's the one thing (laughs) it's funny i um i used to be close with a a sex educator that used to refer to impact play as percussion play and that always tickled Mm -hmm. me like that was the way they said spanking or they said impact play they they called it percussion play and that was the lens that they saw impact through and i was like i love that that's cool right yeah so it's more about like this auditory element which you know sometimes I'm not always thinking about Uh, if I get a good sound going then I'm like oh that's so pleasing to my ear but like even rhythms like there's a lot there that could be cool uh like worth exploring you know oh absolutely I do rhythmic impact play is pretty much my default because I'm very sound sensitive and I'm very musical so and there's usually music playing you know if I do a scene but especially if it's at a public venue the dungeons usually have some amount of music so I'll sort of lean into that beat and start grooving on it and especially if I know a song my bottoms are like oh no oh no (laughs) there's a crescendo coming (laughs) fuck (laughs) I'm like yep here we go (laughs) oh man that's so funny I like I think I first kind of really saw that happen. We've got like a a sex club um, in Toronto called Oasis. um, And I saw a really great like impact scene that uh, like impact and like some other kinks in there, sensual stuff happening as well. Um, Oh yeah. And there was like a big squirting thing at one point, but um, it was set to music and it felt like a piece of theater. Like it was yep. so choreographed. I don't know if it was like maybe improvised just knowing the music and stuff or it was choreographed, but it came off like a dance. It looked like, mm. oh, it was so cool. And it was exactly that thing of like impact to the music and like even the squirting stuff and stuff like that. The moaning was like to the music. Oh, there was like some kind of chanting parts um for like all the players to kind of do and like oh my god that sounds yeah, amazing i'm just like a uh, memory has been trudged up 
um, how cool that is. But yeah, I've definitely had that, those moments when like, I'm, I put on whatever CD, we're old school. So whatever CD was on in the dungeon and like a part comes on that I know and, um, and like, be aware, be scared, beware if I have a blocker <laughs> in my hand at that moment, because <laughs> yes, <laughs> as you said, there is a crescendo coming is very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Oh man, so okay, um, Cyanite, we're we're just about at time, um, but I want to ask you before we get you to plug all your stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Is there like um, closing words? Is there anything that you wanted to kind of sum stuff up? Anything like that before we uh, get to all your all the ways people can give you money? Love that. That's great. Uh, <laughs> I don't know when this episode is going to come out, but I do want to say Happy Pride Month. Yes, happy Pride, everyone. Good point. What does Pride mean to you? Pride to me means not living in fear about being who you really are. Um, So I came out when I was 12 as bisexual. I just kicked that door down. I was like, oh, other girls don't look at other girls' butts the way I do. Oh, okay, I I get it. I'm I'm a queerdo. Uh Uh-huh, yep. And just was like... (laughs) Parents, I'm bisexual. And they're like, uh, okay. You're 12. You're 12. You sure that you're sure? You're 12. Like, please slow down. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure. And now I'm 29 and I'm still pretty sure. Yeah, still fairly sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so pride to me is just really living out loud and saying, you know, this is who I am. This is what I love. This is who I love. And if you don't like that, there's the fucking door. I hope it hits you on the way out. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for that. Um, Cyanite, would you like to tell us all the ways we can find and follow you and purchase your stuff and throw bags of money in your general dir- direction? <laughs> Absolutely. So I like to make it more or less easy for people to find me. So on most social media sites, my handle is Song of Cyanite, S-O-N-G, O-F-S-Y-E-N-I-T-E. That's Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I don't think I'm on other social medias as Song of Cyanite. I'm on FetLife as just at Cyanite. S-Y-E-N-I-T-E. I have a many vid store, Song of Cyanite. I have an OnlyFans Song of Cyanite. I have a Pocket Stars Song of Cyanite, which is where all my pee content lives for anyone who is interested in that specifically. Um, I think that covers all of the links. Oh, if you want to get custom videos from me, email me at songofcyanite at gmail.com. Uh, amazing. Uh, for me, folks, I am at the Lady Pim One on Twitter. That is certainly where I'm the most active. If you want to follow me on Instagram, that's at the Lady Pim One. Oh nope, that's at the Lady Pim. Uh, or <laughs> at the Bedpost Podcast. I don't know my own shit. Don't mind me. Uh, we have a Patreon. It's the Bedpost Show. We have a YouTube channel. It is also the Bedpost Show. And I'd never like to go an episode without thanking the lovely lady who does all the original music for the podcast. She's Stephanie Copeland. You can find out more about her. Uh, stephaniecopeland.com thank you so much cyanite this has been an absolutely lovely conversation thank you for your time today thank you for having me on the podcast oh my god my absolute pleasure and thank you everyone who's been listening we will see you next week with another fun and sexy guest here on the bedpost podcast talking about sex and sexuality until then get fucked everybody goodbye
This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!